For 30 years, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act has helped First Liberty win cases. What does it do, and why is it so important to your freedom? Hi, I'm Stuart Shepard, and this is First Liberty Live. First Liberty is a nonprofit, according to the IRS, and part of what that means is we rely solely on the support of people just like you who care about religious freedom in our country just as much as we do. If that resonates with you, if this is something where you want to see real changes happen in the real world, would you consider supporting us? Just click on the big red Give button at the top of the page, and you can be part of what First Liberty is doing. Kelly Shackelford is president, CEO, and chief counsel of First Liberty Institute. He is a top expert on religious freedom in America and has been for a long time. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Stuart. You are exactly the person to talk to about this, but before we get to it, just a week ago, you and I were standing in the Statuary Hall in the uh, capital of the United States. We were part of a, a, a special nighttime tour with uh, many of our colleagues as well as a, a bunch of friends that we brought with us. And then we heard a bell ring, and we were like, what is that? What is that? A vote is happening. They were having a late session of the House, and who comes walking through the room? Well, the new Speaker of the House, uh, Mike Johnson. And uh, it was, it was a, really a special time. You know, I, I, uh, Mike had worked at First Liberty, gosh, I don't know what, 11 or so years ago, uh, and went back to Louisiana, where he ended up running for office and becoming a congressman. And now he's the Speaker of the House. But he... He's been committed his whole life to religious freedom, um, referred to us as his heroes. <laughs> so here he is walking about to vote. He's the Speaker of the House. He's calling us heroes. Uh, but we, we got a great time to just pray for him uh, because we thought, you know, a guy like this that has these traditional biblical beliefs, who stands for religious freedom, who stands for a lot of the things that we do, um, is going to be under tremendous attack. and. So it was great to have not only myself, but everybody who was there to be able to come around him and pray for him and to let him know he supported. Uh, it's hard being uh, in those situations because yeah. you know, people are trying to take you out. Uh, that's sort of the way DC works. And so uh, it's good to see, uh, good, good to see that you know, we've got a, somebody who's trying to do the right things and we just need to pray for his protection. But. Uh, it's funny to see a, a young man who worked at First Liberty as an attorney uh, now be the Speaker of the House. That was not something on my list of, yeah, that'll happen, but uh, it's happened. <laughs> that, uh, and uh, standing there watching from a few steps back, what was interesting to me, the Speaker of the House doesn't go through the Capitol without an entourage. There's right. always, uh, there's the person with a big file folder full of stuff. There's the guy with the little earpiece. And they're all standing there, and you can tell they're stressed, and they want to move, and they need to get going. But he gets to do whatever he wants to do, and he wanted to stop and say hi. I thought of that after. I thought he has a huge, like, supposedly a security team of, like, 15 or something goes with the speaker. And I thought afterwards, you know, he, as soon as he walked through, we, you know, we hugged and, you know, prayed over him and all this. I thought, probably no, I didn't think about the <laughs> security. The, yeah. the amazing thing, too, is this will never, you know, be shown because there's no cameras. But the next day, we were having a meeting uh, at the Federal Society for breakfast with the top 350, you know, Attorney General of the United States, Mukasey was there. I mean, uh, really the top litigators and, and partners at major law firms in the country. And we just asked Mike, uh, Speaker Johnson, if he had some time, if he would stop by. He stopped by and spoke to the whole group, huh. talked about uh, how he really had a passion for religious liberty, 
said wonderful things about First Liberty and again that we were his heroes and all this and uh, just really was uh, was gracious. I, I know he's got so much on his plate, but uh, so that was a, a special couple of days and. Uh, I, again, I really think we need to lift him up in prayer. Uh, we, we need to lift up a lot of our people in prayer uh, who are in those situations. I mean, we've got people who run for office, they, they put their neck out there, and then all they get is criticism, even from their friends. And uh, we certainly need to keep people accountable, but we also need to lift them up in prayer. I, and, and the story we're talking about today, the topic we're talking about, came out of Congress. Absolutely. So this is a direct connection, but it's Congress literally 30 years ago this week. Tell us what the Religious Freedom Restoration Act does, just in the broadest sense. What's it about? Why is it important? It is a federal statute that gives uh, the highest level of protection to religious freedom. When you go into court over a religious freedom issue, there are different levels of protection. The highest level is what's called strict scrutiny. And that means when the government burdens your religion in any way, the burden of proof shifts to the government to show that it, it was compelled to act, that it's a compelling governmental interest to interfere with your religion. So right. that's proof number one. And that it's meeting that compelling interest in the least restrictive way possible on your religion. So you can see there's a lot of ways. And, and that's the language in the law, least yes, restrictive. Least restrictive means. Yeah. So you've got two different ways to preserve any attack on religious freedom, any restriction on religious freedom. You first can say, this isn't compelling. You're doing this to me, but you're leaving an exception open for this thing. Number two, though, is you can say, even if it is compelling, there are better ways to do this that don't restrict religious freedom. So it gives you the, the citizen the most power they ever have. It's what we attach to what we call fundamental rights. The right to free speech, the right to religious freedom. I mean, these are these are fundamental rights, and so we give them the highest level of protection. A, a classic example of this, at least that comes to my mind, is if, you, if, any, if you've ever been in southeastern Pennsylvania, Amish buggies, they are black, they are slow, they are pulled by black horses. The people that are, are driving the buggies are wearing all black at night. You don't see them coming over a rise until the last possible second. The government got involved in this. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, about how that was solved? Well, I don't know which one you're talking about. There's so many Amish cases. Yeah, uh, in, just in the general about safety. Well, there, there's, they, they were you know, allowed to put a triangle uh, to kind of reflective, reflective to, to let people know. But then, and so in that case, you might say the Amish didn't win uh, because there is a compelling interest of safety. Yeah. And there was no least restrictive way to, to let people see that, you know, they might run over people. Um, yet, not too many years later, the Amish were a part of one of the most important cases in the history of our country, Wisconsin versus Yoder, mm -hmm. which is about the authority of parents and religious parents in particular to direct the upbringing and education of their own children. And in that case, they used strict scrutiny. And so a lot of times, RIFRA, as we're talking about today, will point back to that case, Yoder, and say, this is the highest level and that's what we give religious freedom. But because of the case law messing some things up, 
that's why it had to be passed by statute because it was being really uh, taken away in the court cases. So, uh, to summarize, most people, when we think of law, we think of crime dramas and it's guilty, not guilty. This has to do with what is the hurdle before government gets involved, and then it also sets the, the lowest level of interference from the government when it comes to trying to find a solution. Am I saying it back correctly? Yeah, I mean, all, all that this law is, is it, it's the standard of proof or the burden of proof that the, the government bears and this is the highest level before it can interfere with your religion. This uh, has, RIFRA had its 30th birthday, and I say RIFRA, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, everybody in the business calls it RIFRA, had its birthday on November 16th, it turned 30. Share the story of how it came to be. How did RIFRA come to be law in the United States? Well, really because what had happened is we had, all, we had, had this highest standard of strict scrutiny for protection when the Free Exercise Clause was violated. So people have the right to the free exercise of religion. And if the government interferes with that, it better have a really strong justification. So we had strict scrutiny, the highest level of protection. Mm -hmm. But then we had a case called Smith. And in Smith, it wasn't the result of the case that was important. It was the method they changed how they did religious freedom. Instead of this highest level of protection, they said, no, when the government passes a law or takes an action that's neutral in that it doesn't just aim at religion, then there is no violation of religious freedom or the free exercise clause. Well, there's lots of things the government to do to totally take away your religious freedom and then, you know, that are broader than just religious groups. If they say no alcohol to minors, then they can now arrest a priest in a Catholic church, you know, serving communion uh, to minors. Uh, you know, and, and you could just go on and on and on with examples of government saying, well, we won't specifically aim at the religion, but we can wipe out all these religious practices. And so Congress, this is the amazing thing, everybody at that time, at least, was for religious freedom. This and is 1993. Yeah. I mean, not that that long ago. And Congress passed this almost unanimously because they were all outraged at this lowering of protection for religious freedom. And the bill was sponsored by? Chuck Schumer. The founders of our nation, the American people today, know that religious freedom is not a luxury, but a basic right of a free people. The bill will restore the First Amendment to its proper place as one of the cornerstones of our democracy. It's simple. It states the government can infringe on religious practice only if there's a compelling interest and the restriction is narrowly tailored to further that interest. Signed into law by President Bill Clinton. Which shows that it was kind of bipartisan. Absolutely. And it passed with overwhelming majorities and in both you know, chambers. What, what's sad is it wasn't too many years later when they were then going to pass what's called RELUPA, our LUPA, which protects religious freedom in both land use situations like zoning and in prisons. Yeah, if people want to look it up, it's the Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act, yes. which makes no sense, but that's what they called the bill. That was the coalition that had to come together to get it passed because just in the short time between RIFRA and that, a number of groups had decided they didn't like religious freedom, you know, that their issue was bigger. Um, one of the constituencies was the LGBT community that said, oh, no, you, 
we, we're scared now that we've given you RIFRA that you're going to use this uh, and religious freedom might trump what we want. It's like, yeah, religious freedom gives people the right of conscience to disagree or agree with any issue. But it's sad that we went through almost 100% pro-religious freedom to where you couldn't even get this passed without a really unique coalition. Mm -hmm. So, And we're still dealing with that today. There are people that are, do not have the foresight to understand that whatever your issue is, if you take away people's religious freedom for that issue, it's gone. Because that's the whole point, is whatever is popular should not be used to force people to violate their faith. People have a right to disagree. People have a right to have different opinions. And when you say, no, no, but not this issue, um, it's very short-sighted. Because whatever you believe now, you will be next. If the government decides you know, your belief is out of line, then you'll be the victim. And so it's really important to have the fullest religious freedom. And I, and I think the polling still shows about 70% of the country is very strongly for religious freedom. But there are those who aren't now because their issues they think are more important than freedom of conscience and religious freedom. And, and uh, because of the federal Religious Freedom Restoration Act, a number of states followed suit. And at the state level, a number were passed. You can look up in your own state. I know Texas has a, a RIFRA on yes. the books here. Has First Liberty, uh, can you think of a case that stands out to you where First Liberty used RIFRA as a key, as a cornerstone in that case to press it forward? Well, I think, I mean, one of the absolute uh, importance of, of RIFRA is with the military. Um, and that is because Congress not only passed RIFRA, but was very specific that it applied to the, the military. And so our Navy SEALs case is a great example. I mean, we had this attempt to really push tens of thousands of military families out of the military if they had religious objections to the vaccine mandate. Didn't matter if they were immune, didn't matter what their religious beliefs were, they were, they were persecuting these people. When the law required to look at accommodating religion and whether it could be done. There's a process the military was supposed to go through. They didn't go through the process. They just violated it. And so RIFRA was really crucial in that case where we won the injunction to protect the Navy SEALs, in fact, everybody in the Navy. And that led to similar lawsuits which were successful in the Air Force, the Marines. And the result is Congress eventually was able to act, get rid of this, and stop us from ejecting our very best people from the military. So RIFRA was really important in that case, and I think it's important all the time when we have military cases. But it's, it's really important anytime we have any case because we have a problem with this precedent, the Smith case, not being overturned. And so our, one of our goals is in the next five years, we've overturned Lemon, in the Kennedy case, we overturned really TWA versus Hardison in the Groff case. I want to be clear; those were First Liberty cases. Yes, I mean that, that's the, that's us at, at the work. Supreme Court. Yeah, these are two of the three. If you were to ask me ten years ago, what are the three biggest cases that have to be changed if you're going to restore religious freedom? I would have said Lemon. I would have said Smith, and I would have said TWA versus Hardison. Well, two of those three are now. We've now reversed at the U.S. Supreme Court. Smith is the next one we have to take out. If we're going to have the free exercise clause restored, 
to what the founders passed. I think we're going to do that. Um, I just think it's the right case, the right time. I think we're going to do it. But until we do that, the only way that people get protection, the fullest level of protection for religious liberty, is if they go under either a state RIFRA or a federal RIFRA. So that's why this is so important. It's a really important statute in every case. Um, and if you're in a state that doesn't have one of these, and it's a state official that's doing this to you, you're in, you're in trouble. I testified, I remember in the state Senate in Iowa, I think last year or the year before, they were considering passing one. And my question to the Senate was, why in the world would you want to have the least religious freedom protection of any state in the nation? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. I know that your citizens don't feel that that's a good idea. Yeah. So really, it's something every state should have, but most states do have this protection, but not all do. And so federally, you get it with the federal RIFRA, and in the states that have it, you get it with the state RIFRA. Hopefully, one day, we will overturn Smith, and we will restore the free exercise clause protection to every citizen, no matter where they live. Very good. Very insightful, Kelly. Thank you for that. Anything else you'd like to share before I let you go? No, just, uh, you know, people a lot of times, especially people of faith, can tend to be kind of anti-political. And RIFRA is an example why that's a really bad idea. Really good things can be done if people are involved with their government. If you have somebody from your church or your synagogue or what, running for office, support good people who are running for office. You know, uh, go and lick some envelopes for them. Do what you can. And when people are in office, we need to keep them accountable. So we need to let them know when they're doing the wrong thing. But we also need to support them and pray for them. And, uh, and, and really good legislation that protects religious freedom. Really good judges can make it onto the court. All these things are a result of people of faith bringing those values and those truths to the voting booth and who they vote for and what kind of policies they support. So I, this anti-political, you know, most people of faith don't vote, uh, which is unbelievable, when they have values and beliefs that we really need in this country. So I would say RIFRA is a great reminder 30 years later of the importance of those coalitions of faith coming together and making a difference in our country. Very good. Thank you, Kelly. Appreciate Thank the you. insights today. I, I think you've got a better idea now that uh, there has to be action in Congress and, and also in state legislatures when it came, comes to establishing good law on religious freedom. But that has to be followed up with uh, good organizations that will pursue cases that deal with religious freedom to enforce those laws when, when people try to skirt around them or cheat them or just ignore them. Uh, it does take good legal representation to push back against those efforts. And that's part of why First Liberty is here. If that resonates with you, if you would like to see the religious freedom of Americans defended day after day, uh, would you consider supporting our work here at First Liberty? Just click on the big red Give button up at the top of the page. First Liberty is fighting for what matters most.